must be excited for that that uh, watch at the hockey game where we had that great tie at the end, but then of course we lost. So no, because I have to get up at 3:15 in the morning. These West Coast games are too much for me. I can't make it that far. So. I, I, I'm aware of what's going on, and my phone tells me everything that happened as soon as I wake up, but I don't get to watch a lot of West Coast games, especially the ones that start at 9.30. Yeah, I can see that, of course. That's why when a Carl gets a text after 10 p.m., he gets very upset. So I've learned to be on Carl time and not no, Lynn it, time. It's, it's not that. iPhone has this amazing thing called Do Not Disturb, and when... You have, I don't get upset. I don't know about it until I wake up at 3.15 the next morning. So I'm uh-huh. not upset. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, now I do wake up and I say, oh my gosh, I have 28 messages from three people talking about a movie I didn't see. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to our guest, John O'Brien from the Fox coming up next. Around minute 33, we will talk Eternals. Then around minute 41, Spencer. Around minute 52, Finch, and then around minute 57, passing. And then one hour, we'll talk a couple minutes about Sliff and the new Muni schedule. Well, I'm excited this morning because we're putting on our theater hat. And as a longtime drama nerd, I uh, am really excited to have as our guest today, John O'Brien, who is the director of programming at the fabulous Fox Theater. Welcome, John. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we are excited for you to uh, tell us about the Fox coming up, the U.S. Bank Broadway series, because the last time I was at the Fox was for the band's visit in February of 2020, and we didn't know what was going to happen. We were preparing for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then everything got shut down. So how cool is it to be uh, uh, scheduling again for the season opening, which is uh, next week? I mean, it is, I cannot even put into words how excited I and every one of the Foxes. It has been truly the longest intermission as we've been calling it, uh, because we, you know, we closed at the top of March in 2020 with no idea how long this would last, what this was gonna be. You know, at one point we thought, are we only canceling Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? And then Cats happened, then Hamilton happened. And so now a year and a half later uh, to finally be reopening and with such like a fun, like happy to be alive season. uh, I mean, we are over the moon. I can't even put into words. Well, you have some of the big uh, names from Broadway. I'm really excited about Mean Girls, the Tina Fey musical that uh, that Taylor Lauderman of Bourbon, Missouri, uh, got her first Tony nomination for. And then uh, we go on to The Prom, which has such great local connections. And I happen to see it on Broadway and I highly recommend this. If you have seen the Netflix movie, Take that out of your head. You have not seen the musical on stage. Yeah, it is written, uh, the lyrics and book are co-written by Chad Begelin, who is from Centralia, Illinois, who did Elf and The Wedding Singer and also uh, wrote the lyrics to Aladdin uh, with Alan Menken 
after Howard Ashby passed. And so um, he's got a lot of cred, but the prom, what's so cool about the prom is it's original. Yeah, It's based on a news story about a student who wanted to bring her same-sex date to the prom and these these Broadway stars descend on this small town in Indiana. And it's just delightful. And it's just got such great music. And that's going to kick off 2022. But for now, we have Pretty Woman, which I'm not familiar with, except I've seen the movie uh, several times. So tell us about the movie, uh, the, uh, the musical version. Absolutely. So, you know, we are so excited to be opening with Pretty Woman because it is just like big fun to steal from the show. Big, huge fun. It's, uh, you know, I have to. It would be disrespectful to not lean into their puns. Um, but no, the show is so much fun. It's true to the movie in all the ways you want it to be and need it to be and are looking for, but also has this new kind of musical theater magic to it. It's got an incredible score by Brian Adams. Um, so it's really, it's a great time. Um, you know, people so far, they just launched the tour and people are loving it. Um, I, I loved it in New York. So I, I really think this is a, a great way to kick off this season, something old and new. It's, you know, something, a, a comfort food of sorts, uh, but with a full, fresh, big Broadway musical life to it. Now, I've been getting a lot of questions from people asking me, all right, it's Pretty Woman. It's the story of Pretty Woman. It's about a call girl. It, and people are saying, should I bring my 13-year-old to this? And um, I will let you answer that question, John. Yeah, I mean, so it is, you know, true to the movie. This is um, a woman who, you know, has meets the Richard Gere character through She's on the She's a street. sex worker. She's a sex worker. And, but, you know, I will say, and while that is present, um, and they're not afraid to shy away from that, it, it isn't a, um, like a vulgar show in any way, you know, it's got a lot of heart and um, they, they do a good job of making it more so about these characters and their growth and, you know, really giving um, they're Vivian this incredible like gumption and this drive and this passion. Um, so, you know, it's something that each parent I think can look at and we've got some uh, advisory information on the website they can check out, but. Um, oh, good. Yeah, so there's. Well, they do, that, they do that for every show. Yes, so for every show, if you've ever got a question about what things are looking like, feel free to check out our website. We've got a lot more information on the show pages. Um, you know, I think this is a great one. It's a good girls night out, good time, uh, just a good evening. Whether you want to bring your child or not, you know, uh, it depends boys. on your parenting skills. Yes, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's good that you have those warnings because the people sitting next to me for the Book of Mormon were not amused. No. And uh, they were actually very shocked. And I was like, do you not read ahead of time <laughs> about the shows that you're buying tickets for? But uh, getting back to Pretty Woman, I think the movie was so surprising. Well, first of all, it had that wonderful chemistry between Julia Roberts and uh, Richard Gere. And that was when Julia Roberts had 
just been known for Mystic Pizza and uh, and for uh, Steel Magnolias. And she received an Oscar nomination for Pretty Woman. But under Gary Marshall, it was more of a Cinderella fantasy. And Richard Gere's character, to remind people, he was a jerk. He was a, a corporate shark coming in and um, coming into uh, a situation where he was just going to be chopping heads. And well, so Jason, Jason Alexander's character is a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. And, and so it is true about the growth. I'm a big fan of Andy Carl, who played the Richard Gere character on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So I think, well, if Andy Carl did it, then, it, you know, <laughs> I'll give it a chance because he's so fantastic. And I, uh, I'm i so happy. I didn't know Brian Adams did the music. So now I got to check out the music, Carl. Did you know that? I, I actually did know that, but I'm like, is it really Brian Adams? Because first of all, the Pretty Woman soundtrack is very iconic. I mean, of course, the song Pretty Woman, but mm -hmm. then you have Roxette, uh, you have Robert Palmer on there, you have Go West. It is a fantastic soundtrack that is still overrated and underrated at the same time. Well, I have it in my uh, CD collection, actually, and I uh, played it a lot. So I think this... This is one of those things that kind of defies expectations, just like Legally Blonde did. Mm -hmm. I just talked about that because it's coming back to the Muni this summer. And I think Legally Blonde was one of those when it's like, oh, that's from a movie. But the show is delightful. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bended Snap, the, oh, the UPS guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> God bless them. Yeah. No, but then, what's also, so this music is, so that it's a lot of original musical music for this show. I mean, the whole score is original, really. Um, but they've also brought in, you know, Gary Marshall is like his work on the book. And Jerry Mitchell, bringing up Legally Blonde, is the director choreographer on this one. So it has that kind of same Broadway charm. Um, but exactly what you're saying, the story is, it's really a Cinderella story. Um, she is a sex worker and that is clear and they make that clear, but it's uh, really more so about her, you know, taking command of her, you know, her life and her journey and saying, this is what I want for me. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Well, that's wonderful. And then we have cats. Now I know there's a ton of cats fans out oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah. So, so is this what what to what what about this tour is different? Anything? So yeah, this is the uh, recent revival that was on Broadway, and it you know it pays. The choreography is somewhat traditional, but it's this is done by Andy Blankenbuehler, the choreographer on this one, who is the choreographer of Hamilton. Um, so it has a kind of a fresh new energy to it and a fresh new life to it. Um, and, you know, we were so disappointed. I mean, we were just weeks away from this in the spring of 20 and for this to be ripped away was kind of devastating because we had so many people that were looking forward to it. Um, so I am over the moon that we will finally get to bring it back and for the holidays, nonetheless, you know, when we're recovering from our food comas to be able to like sit and 
<laughs> see a show and a traditional like solid Broadway musical. It'll be awesome. Now I, I, it's running all the way to the second. Are you going to have a special New Year's Eve performance, or is it going to do anything, or or is because I know New Year's Eve is on a Saturday, is on mm -hmm. a uh, Friday night, so. Mm -hmm. I don't see a show listed. Does that mean you're giving everybody the night off? Yeah, so we are going to be dark on um, New Year's Eve there, just so we can make sure that the cast and the company, the local crew, everyone gets to enjoy their evening. Um, you, you know, let everyone <laughs> ring out, ring in 22 with a bang, uh, and then we'll come in fresh face the next morning and be ready to... Bring on the Andrew Lloyd Webber magic, you know? Are, are you saying the show to see is the January 1st matinee? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Reading through the lines, yes. That oh, is, wow. Well, on life. <laughs> well, some of the, because Cats is uh, one of the great chestnuts of musical theater, you've got mm -hmm. a couple uh, revivals coming because we have My Fair Lady, March 22nd through April 3rd. Is this the Bartlett Shear uh, Lincoln Center one? This is so, you know, uh, this again, a uh, totally gorgeous production. Bart Cher, like the work he's been doing at Lincoln Center on these revivals, these classic shows is truly next level and making them feel fresh and beautiful and grand. Um, I mean, we've had South, his South Pacific revival was excellent, King and I. Um, so this production, I'm a huge fan of. We announced it for the 2021 season that never happened. Um, so to finally bring this one again, I mean, that's, I'm a broken record, but uh, every time we had to cancel a show, my heart broke just a little bit more. Um, so to finally get them back in is next level. And this production is beautiful. And I think people are gonna love it. And, well, um, Lynn, you, you skipped over, we've mentioned it, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is March 8th through the 10th. So right. that finally will be at the Fox. Yes, again, another one, a long time coming. And if I could tell you the number of times, like in rebooking this season, um, generally I book seasons pretty far out. So every time things would fall through, I would rebook and then it'd fall apart and I'd rebook. So there are oh, so many man. different variations of these seasons. I, I mean, we're probably on plan Z or AAA, like at this <laughs> point, it's insane. Um, so Charlie's finally coming after many different holds on the calendar. Uh, it'll be, it's a very, you know, sweet night out, not to, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> not even and on purpose, right? April 5th through the 9th, Hairspray. Yeah. So this is incredible. I'm a huge Hairspray fan. This production reunites the original team. Um, so Jack O'Brien and um, Jerry no Mitchell. Relation. No relation. But I did one time when I was in New York, I went to a conference and they gave me his name badge by accident. And that was <gasps> awesome. Um, yeah. So I really leaned into that. Um, oh, he's yeah. wonderful. Jack is John. So exactly. So it's, you know, variation on your name twins. Exactly. One of us has uh, a lot more experience, I'm sure, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll leave that to debate. That's that's for the next episode. Me versus Jack O'Brien. Bring it on. Uh, yeah. Well, fun. how did you how did you get involved in programming? Yeah. So I, you know, I'm from St. Louis, love the Fox, have always been a big fan, um, but was you know, spent some summers at the Muni working internships there before moving to New York, 
where I was working in producing and general management, working for some companies there, um, and got a call that a position was opening up in the Broadway programmer and that I might be a, a decent fit. So I thought, hey, I will absolutely throw my hat I on that. I can come home. Exactly. So, it, I mean, truly, it was the dream situation. My family's here. I'm obsessed with the Fox here. I mean, it's unlike it's unlike anything in the world. It's true. It's next level. Um, My so. name's on the wall backstage somewhere. Unless, oh, really? you know, how how often does the do those get painted over? They don't. Oh, we, then it's there somewhere. We keep growing and growing. You can still see Liberace back there and mm -hmm. everyone. It, it's remarkable the amount of space. It's under the stairs. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, yeah, that was weird. Exactly, Avenue. How they get up there? Furry magic, theater <laughs> magic. Carl. Um, <laughs> that's that's how everything happens at the box. All magic. Now, well, Lynn, Tommy, yeah, go Tommy Toon. I was gonna say Tommy yeah. Toon is uh, near a door because yeah. I he's one of my idols, and I was like, he's near the door with his little heart, you know. Mm -hmm. We what didn't ask the two biggest shows, the the ones that people have been waiting for, April twelfth and June first, Hamilton right. and the Lion King. I've heard right, which uh, there is nothing. To, I'm going to state this. Well, first of all, Hamilton is my all-time favorite musical. I was blown away. I said gobsmacked when I saw it mm -hmm. at the Fox, and I uh, had been a fan anyway. But uh, I uh, seeing it live is one thing. Yeah, and 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 uh, you cannot match that incredible. Uh, opening and uh, my friend who went with me and I we just both looked at each other and just opened up like oh my god because it is just so much ago everything that people say about it is true because you know with the hype like that's one of the things when it was at the Fox in uh, 2018 one of the uh, things was it does it live up to the hype mm -hmm. and it does yeah no I mean it really to see how people responded in 2018. Um, I have a handful of like top moments of my career. And one of them was the opening night of Hamilton at the Fox and just the lights went down, people screamed. You hear that initial dun, 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 dun screaming, just like the biggest rock concert you've ever been to. It was insane. So the energy in the room is truly, you can't beat it. And I, I mean, I adored it on, Disney Plus, I thought they did such a phenomenal mm -hmm. job. And that is, it's to see that original cast, it's it's next level and they filmed it so well. But there's something so special about being in that room and feeling that energy and that excitement and in the room so where it happens. It. Yeah. In the room where it happens, even. And it's it's wow. timeless. No matter how many times you you've seen it or uh watched the movie or anything, it is it's timeless and you get more out of it every time mm -hmm. you see it. And uh, I have the soundtrack in my car. That's what a big nerd I am. And uh it's still it's on your phone too, Lynn, I'm sure. It is. It is, but I but have everybody else have, has it on their phone. Yeah, well, I have the two disc CD in my car, and when thieves broke into my car, they didn't steal that. So <laughs> they you. knew there was a line. They knew there was a line, and I was crossing the line. Take the was, Take I the know, key. I Leave know. They did. They didn't steal. <laughs> yeah, and, I know and just and just like Hamilton, The Lion King 
is for all ages and people don't believe how good the lion king is on stage until oh. they see it oh yeah right well that opening with the circle of life is the best opening of any musical ever mm -hmm. i mean you it gives you that. chills when those mm -hmm. animals are walking down the aisles and coming on stage and the big giraffes with the stilts mm -hmm. and then the elephant, elephant with the four people in the legs that is it is it just gives you chills and i know carl's seen it many times i've seen it i saw it on broadway times. oh julie tamer is a genius she really is and the way that she took this and made it entire took that story that movie and made it so fresh and unique and different i mean this isn't like a standard adaptation this is a complete visionary artistic masterpiece in so many ways it's it's bananas i don't know how people's brains work like that but i am grateful um I am not that clever. So I'm glad other people are. <laughs> yeah, I think people that even don't, just like Jersey Boys, people that don't usually go to musical theater, they will go to The Lion King and they will go see Jersey Boys because that, and Wicked. just mm -hmm. And Wicked just announced the movie with Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo. Mm -hmm. I am yesterday. so excited. I am so, I'm really here for it. Cynthia Erivo, I would let her sing the phone book to me. Truly. <laughs> Anything she wanted to sing, I would throw money at her to sing. My God, incredible. Oh, I know she is. And so uh, the color purple, I know some of these things like you were going to have uh, Wicked, I think. Wicked's like one of the most popular shows ever at the Fox, isn't it? Among the United States. It comes a month at a time to the Fox. It, and it sells out. It's definitely a fan favorite. I mean, so it's it's come to the Fox many times. And people continuously want to see it. It was one of the last shows we actually got to do before the shutdown. Um, we played over the holidays and it was, it was honestly incredible. And it's one of those shows. So I throw back for me is when I was younger, I was like, I don't want to watch Wicked, blah, blah, blah. Then I went and saw Wicked and I was like, okay, this is great. I love this show. And then I was, my friend was like, oh, let's go see Wicked again. I was like, no, I don't want to see Wicked again. I've seen Wicked. And then I went and saw Wicked again, and I liked it more than the first time. And so now this playing at the Fox, I got to see it over and over this past time we played it. And I like, honestly, I think I like it more each time because there it's another one of those shows where you don't, maybe on the surface you wouldn't realize, but there's so many layers to it and there's so many clever things. And are you a Galinda or an Alphaba? I would like to think in my heart of hearts that I'm an Alphaba. Um, we all have our Galinda moments. Let's be real. We have our <laughs> moments. Every, you want, everybody wants to be popular. I might be more of a Bach, though. Who knows? Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's one of those things that no matter what, and so I'm sure it'll be at the Fox Get. I forgot that it was there before the shutdown. That, you know, it's been a blur since the shutdown. Oh my gosh. I, and, uh, and, and everything. And uh, what we have uh, some... If you don't get the seven season package, mm -hmm. you can pick from these other shows to put in and you can find out about season subscriptions if you go to the Fox website, which is fabulousfox.com, by the way. But some of the other ones are uh, the aforementioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Hairspray. And then one of my favorites, river dance one of the 20 the 25th year and that's another one if you think you've seen it like oh i've seen it 
I've seen the, the, the special, I've seen the DVD, which was at the time the biggest selling DVD of all time for a while. No, to see that fresh is just such a great experience. And then you've got, you know, the, you, your holiday stuff. You've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer coming. You got the Cirque Christmas and Mannheim Steamroller, Straight No Chaser. I mean, your December, once you guys start, you guys are hitting the ground running and going. I mean, and we have been flat. Yeah, yeah. and you have ready. been flat, you have oh been flat in March. Yeah, I mean, so it's, that's the thing is, it, it's a pack season. We've got a lot going on. And, you know, we've just been dying to come back. It's been such a long, for everyone in the arts and touring Broadway and Broadway, I mean, this has been a devastating year. Um, live entertainment has been, you know, we've just non-existent. been non-existent. So non-existent. But, you know, we've been trying to come back and putting in so much energy. And, you know, the Fox is this phenomenal building and it's it's not complete without the people in there. It's, it, it's gorgeous, but it really it's sad that it was just sitting there waiting for people so we are you know we're cramming it in we're opening safe and being trying to make sure we can invite people back in a good way and just you know and what we've been hearing we've had the best support from our subscribers and everyone it's been the most uplifting thing because people seem so ready to come back and they know we've been kind of hurting the past year and a half. So the calls and the messages and everyone, you know, well, sending their love has been very helpful and incredible. A lot of those longtime subscribers are some of the ones that are most possibly compromised. So we really hope that they come back and everyone is safe at the Fox. And I know you guys have been working to make sure that all the patrons at the venue or safe is it going to be a full crowd capacity yeah so everything we have um now is full capacity um and that's why we've been taking some different measures to make sure that everyone is returning safe um so for instance the staff of the fox staff as well as all touring broadway uh broadway league shows um are vaccinated and uh wearing masks um, with our audience, we also, through January 2nd, do have a requirement for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. Masks are required. Um, so that, that's kind of the legwork of what, what we need from people. But, you know, we're cleaning like crazy. We've uh, improved our air handling. We have MERV 13 filters. Um, some wonderful system for ionization <laughs> that I cannot remember and my VP of operations is just gonna kill me when I because I can't remember the name of I it. I mention it in every email that's how exactly. well you're reading it's everywhere so <laughs> everyone feel please look at our website but we are um, definitely making sure taking steps to make sure we can be as safe as humanly possible um, so we're ready to go. <laughs> we're eager. We're, we're so excited. And, and we're ready to have you back. Now, we've been asking everyone these, this question for the last, let's, what are we at now, 20 months? What, when you couldn't work, even though you were working the whole time because you're trying, you rebooking and rebooking and rebooking, what grabbed your attention in the last year and a half? Any, any, like you mentioned you watch Hamilton on Disney plus was there anything that you watched any movie or any show or anything that just said oh I would not have if I wasn't trapped in my house I wouldn't be watching this that you said I'm glad I found this 
Sure. Um, I mean, there was so much. I had so much time to watch way too many <laughs> things. Oh my gosh, there's still a dent in my couch. Um, <laughs> but I think though, in terms of like TV, mm-hmm. the Queen's Gambit, I remember okay. being like- Anna Taylor Joy. Oh, I was like, a show about chess, what's it? Loved it. Um, musical theater wise, I feel like I was able to really dive back into a lot of shows. Um, some old, some new, like A Strange Loop, um, won the Pulitzer Prize for drama, a really incredible <laughs> musical that was off-Broadway going to DC now. Um, and also, you know, finding my passion again for Legally Blonde because you need those little pick, pick-me-ups. Well, I, did you, I like the fact that all these shows just, I, they put them back on like Hulu had, or Apple, let's see, Apple Plus had Come From Away, yeah. uh, Disney had Hamilton, all these shows that you've seen before, but you see how that, how the director's eye works for the camera. Exactly. This has been a, an incredible year for musical theater on the screen. I mean, we yeah. are seeing so many like screen uh filmed productions hamilton came out during pandemic come from away diana i mean in terms of adaptations and the heights was incredible we've got west side story coming evan hansen um I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that and and since ben platt's coming we're not going to ask your opinion on the movie hey i love that show it's got an incredible score um and ben platt's voice is unreal that He's another one. I want him and Cynthia Revo to just sing me the phone book. Whatever <laughs> they want, I'll, I'm buying. Alternate names. He is he is that character. And I just, I've defended him all along. It's now available on VOD, by the way. But uh, I'm so excited because uh, West Side Story was my favorite musical of all time to list all Hamilton. <laughs> and so uh, I'm very excited to see what Steven Spielberg has done with it. But yeah, we're in a renaissance of uh, musical theater. And uh, I think even um, no matter how people criticize, you know, movies are different than plays, Mm -hmm. but just you had such a great 2019 because we saw Dear Evan Hansen. And then we saw, because we saw Come From Away first Mm -hmm. and we were like, well, that lost to Dear Evan Hansen. And so then when you see Dear Evan Hansen, you go, oh, that's why, okay. That's why it did. But we saw two of the great shows oh, of the oh. past five years. And then darkness. And then the band's visit was incredible. Yep. And then and then darkness. <laughs> so I feel your pain, but I'm so glad you're back. And it sounds like um, I'm really excited about next Tuesday. So I think it'll be a great time, you know, and that's that's the thing is after the year and a half, everyone has had, I think we are all just ready for a good time for a a night out, some safe fun, some escapism, some community. I I mean, that's what I'm thrilled about this season. I think overall, it's just some big hits, some fun nights out, a lot of heart and a lot of pick me up. Um, So it should be a good mix. You can find all this stuff out at fabulousfox.com. Go there for tickets, times, events, everything and i'm i'm actually glad that you guys are going to do a concert first to blow off cody jinx will blow all the cobwebs out and then you guys can have a pretty woman renaissance exactly we've had a couple of shows so uh we had bill burr and erica badu so we've 
we're really breaking it getting things up and running and then for broadway will be squeaky clean <laughs> and uh yeah go to the website to find out proto uh, protocols so that you're not in the dark when you go to the fox <laughs> but i i think i will once i walked into the muni this summer i was like i will never take live theater for granted again and then I walked into the Tivoli this week for the first time since uh, probably 2019. And I went, I will never, um, I will so appreciate this opportunity because now we have an appreciation for it. Yeah. So wa walking through the Fox is going to be magical. Yeah. I, I, to have some houses like some big houses and to have people back in those doors for a Broadway show is it's going to be unmatchable you can't beat it i mean you don't know what you got till, till it's gone so. right right well thank you so much for your time we look forward to it and we hope to see you and wave at you at the fox and then Absolutely. also we hope to hear about next year too we'll have you on and and uh yeah keep in touch about what's what's happening and we will for sure tell you our opinions we'll wave <laughs> to you too. i'm looking forward to it thanks for having me this is all wonderful thank well, you thank you take care have a good one Bye. Now, Lynn, we have to start with the biggest movie of the weekend. And it is a movie that you don't like and I don't hate. So let you go ahead and say Trash Eternals. Okay. It is the most boring Marvel movie yet. I could not wait for it to end. And it's two hours and 37 minutes. It's long. I, I'll give you that it is long. It could be. That's that's Chloe's out. They hired Chloe's out for a reason. There are a lot of long lingering shots where the characters are contemplating and looking at nothing and having flashbacks in their head that we don't get to see, but then we do get to see them. But that's why you hire, you hire Chloe's out for that reason. If you don't want a slow paced movie, you don't hire Chloe's out. And uh, she is known for her visual style. And uh, she does uh, take us she to sweeping landscapes. However, I, uh, I, it started off when he had a read and I thought, oh, this is a bad sign when you have to read background for a Marvel movie. I wanted to go in and just experience a big action-packed, uh, exciting, fun escapism. I just was in the mood for, I just want to sit back and watch some marvel superheroes and i got esoteric about life and humanity and uh eternals have lived seven thousand years and they're like is it a blessing or a curse to be immortal and then we have also uh these very generic cgi villains in the deviants and everything felt very ordinary and 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 not what I expected. And the cast, I will say, my favorites were Kamal Najani as Kingo and Brian Tyree Henry as Bezos because they are good actors and they brought some uh, some gravitas to it. I like Richard Madden in uh, in things, but. He is Icarus, and he is he is one he's Superman, and he's Superman. His l former love from years ago, Gemma Chan, is 
Circe. Now they're all named after Greek gods, but they're spelled different. And right. uh, like Angelina, and she is just totally one note. She looks bewildered as, as Max said. Why am I here? Right. And <laughs> Angelina Jolie is a waste of money because she's she playing plays, Athena, not yeah. Athena, but Athena. Right. And it's like, what is going on there? She just looks good waving a spear and, and a sword and she's standing smoldering a lot. And then of course she has memory issues. They all have some issue and they all have a superpower and there's too many of them to keep track of. And then the new, the relatively new ones like Sprite, Leah McHugh, um, she showed potential, but overall it was just blah. Well, the, here's, here's what I told Max. And I will say the same thing. This is the 26th Marvel movie. This is one of the few Marvel movies besides Iron Man that you can jump into without having to know the whole 25 long genre. And you can, this is a movie you can jump in. I'm sure it's going to make more sense later, but you don't need to have, you don't need to know who Captain America is, I, even though they mention him but they call him Steve Rogers. You don't need to know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, even though they sometimes are the Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't need to know anything about those other movies to watch this movie, which is rare for a Marvel film because everything but still, else- Yeah, but it's not gonna draw kids because it's too over the head to kids. Well, and okay, so besides that, they are introducing, I counted, there are 12 characters that they have to introduce in a little- Okay, a lot more than two hours. This movie could have actually been a nice tight two hours. If if the Russo brothers had directed it, it would be two hours. Uh, uh, that's not true because Endgame is almost three. So it could it could be a lot shorter. And you have to trust the process because if you after after Iron Man, you would have said there's no way that they'll make six of these after. Uh, dark world Thor the dark world there's no there's no way they're going to make it to Avengers 2 after after Ant-Man well how's this going to deal with Infinity War I see trust the process they haven't let us down a bad road so far phase four is looking very weird but I do think that Kevin Feige has a plan or Feige whatever he has a plan and so far 25 movies in he's he's the plan has been working so i'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt there was there's a lot to do in this movie and i don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is i think there's just marvel fatigue you and this is also something that is not like the rest of them so i think on second viewings and on in hindsight, this movie will come off better than everyone is saying it is. I could be wrong, but I didn't hate this movie as much as everyone else did. It does have a few fans. Um, I thought the soundtrack was really silly. Yeah, and no, the Pink Floyd starting off is very inspired. I thought that the Pink yes, Floyd that's was the very only good. one. The then at the end when they do foreigners feels like the first time that makes it that's when you feel like oh this is guardians of the galaxy it's a lot 
and now as Max pointed out, all of these are just ripoffs of DC characters. There's Superman, there's Wonder Woman, there's Cyborg, they, the, there's the Flash. So it's, I can understand comic book people would think this is bad, but the original Jack Kirby comics, they changed. Which were 1976. Right. They changed some of the sexes of two of the characters. In fact, uh, Selma Hayek, who we didn't even talk about, or uh, Lauren Ridloff, who we didn't talk about either. She's a deaf actress. Their characters were actually male. And so, and it doesn't uh, matter. It doesn't matter because I think their characters work in fine. And in fact, having Ajax as a woman makes her the mother of the thing rather than like a dude who's in charge. And we didn't talk about Don Lee as Gilgamesh. And we didn't talk about, uh, is it Kogan or Keegan? Barry. I No, it's Barry Keegan, I think. Okay. That's what I was, he's I, Irish. He was so good in the killing of a sacred deer. Very creepy. He's from Dunkirk. Um, I couldn't, his character, I didn't get, I didn't understand it. He controls minds. I know, but he's, but he's hard to understand. He's, yeah. Oh, okay. And then also you have uh, Harish Patel, who he is Kingo's valet. That's a great part. And then we have the one human who may or may not be human. Kit Harrington, who like uh, Richard Madden is from Game of Thrones, so. Right, and if you aren't familiar with this comic, then you don't know when they have the Anything. big reveal, the end Nothing. credits scene. That's you don't I'm know saying. who he is. Oh, that's Doug. Who, what, huh? Actually, his name's Dane, but whatever. Yeah, um, it's Dane, but you don't know unless you're a Marvel geek. Unless you're a, a nerd. nerd. All right, yeah. so let's move on to another movie that we disagree, disagree, Spencer, which I watched. Okay, I want to, first I want to say I watched it on a computer screen. I watched it Same in here. two parts, and I yeah. was really, and I had to keep hitting the 10 second back button because I really couldn't hear. And I wonder if that was on, if I had seen this in a theater, I think if I would have seen this whole in a theater, I think I would have liked it better. And but so you Kristen, have high expectations. I do because I love Kristen Stewart. I, I think she's a fantastic actress. I am not one of those who think that she can't do anything, but also there's a lot going on here in Spencer. And I also don't think it really happened that way. No, it didn't. It's it's it right from the it's get go. It's a fable from a true tragedy. Now, uh, Princess Diana's life has been very documented, and uh, her tragic end uh, when she broke free from the royal family. But during her BBC interview in 1995, she said she felt there were three people in her marriage. And when they announced, when the uh, uh, when she announced her divorce, she said her marriage was a loveless sham. And this shows you uh, her displeasure. She is miserable. It's a Christmas 1991 in Sandringham with the royal family. And the director, Pablo Lorraine, does not give us the movie we expect. 
he has a different take on it. But what he did with the royal family being mostly in the shadows and here and there we'll hear from one of them is I think an interesting move because this is not a documentary. If you want to watch a documentary on Diana, there's a really good one on CNN right now. Every Sunday night I've been recording it because I'm a huge Diana file. So this is a tour de force for Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana. She's miserable. She is suffocating under the weight of the stuffy protocols and the conventions and the traditions of the royal family. She takes her own car ride up from London and they're aghast that she drove herself. And she, she lost. I know. And it's, it's, it's a cute little scene. And then she talks to the help, but as Max pointed out, everything is whispering because there's so many, dis what, what I liked about this movie is the things that are not said because there's so many disapproving glances for her behavior because already by then, because she's breaking free of uh, different things that, that have been long, like, why is she doing that? Why is she doing this? The very things that Diana was loved all over the world for are the things that the royal family is trying to suppress, therefore sucking the soul out of her. And her light, her radiance cannot be suppressed. But they, uh, they also, with Diana, she was stronger than than a lot of people thought and her decision to break free of that marriage when that was like a major big deal she was the most photographed woman in the world and uh this shows the human side of her but also the flawed side and there's a lot of fantasy sequences sequences with this pearl necklace that charles gave her for christmas and uh that he they also gave show to camilla Right. And then they do show her bulimia. Uh, they don't they don't shy away from some of her issues. Well, they say she was a cutter. I don't I, I didn't know that. I didn't I don't recall that she was a cutter. No. And also uh, she's reading a book about Anne Boleyn. And so there's that fantasy of Anne Boleyn talking to her, which is Henry VIII's second wife who was beheaded. And she has that fear of what they could do to her because that one line is uh you, you think they'd kill me or you know whatever she well, said the, the 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 poster the great poster that she's laying down and like the big white dresses that's a great poster except in the movie that scene is she's throwing up on the toilet so that they they're they're even romanticizing diana in the poster for the movie that is not something that you were expecting it to be Right. I think people are going to be, um, I don't, I think this is a very art house film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, he directed Jackie, Jackie, which was more accessible. And Natalie Portman was robbed. She should have won the Oscar for Jackie, as in Jackie Kennedy. But this one is just a little more esoteric. Uh, and, and the music, the music from Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. I understand what they're trying to make. He, he's, he does all these orchestral things to make you feel as uncomfortable as Diana and it works it the it provokes emotion but it's just uh that that I did not care for the jazz soundtrack I would never listen to that again because uh, who 
how is that accessible outside of this movie? You you create music to it can stand alone as well as you want to hear songs again. Would you ever want to hear that soundtrack again by itself without seeing the movie? Well, it's a sad soundtrack. It's very melancholy. And so because of the position she was in her life, I do like that they showed how devoted she was to her sons. Yes. And I do like how uh, they show how they adored her. And that is true to true to life. But it's overall, it's just a, it's a, it's an uncomfortable movie because she's so miserable, and uh, that wasn't the Diana. Yeah, but she that... doesn't need to make. No, she was. She was miserable in her personal life. On the surface, she was a very, you know, in public, she had to play the happy person. We don't get to see any of that. We just get to see the tortured part, and that does not make for a fun movie. No, and I agree with that because that's what her her public face, her persona to the public about all the good she did. The people's princess, right. the people's princess. And, now, uh, you know, the, the royal family didn't know what they had. And they and Charles is exasperated and everybody's exasperated. And that queen gives her those withering looks. Well, you're, the queen is supposed to be, the queen's supposed to be the last one to arrive in the room. And she shows up, in, at least in this story, she shows up all the time late. Or sometimes doesn't show up at all. And the looks, but what I will say about Kristen Stewart is that she now, okay, so Diana, we first knew as Shy Die, and then she grew into one of the world's most beautiful women. And uh, Kristen Stewart just nails that, though, those facial expressions of Di yes. uh, Diana and uh, she, she inhabits her. She transforms herself into the woman and she's five inches less, you know, yeah. tall. And uh, the fashions are fantastic. They're by the, the same woman, Jacqueline, I think her last name is Kurt. She won the Oscar for little women. And uh, she's also won another Oscar, two-time Oscar, and she will be nominated. She recreates uh, the wardrobe. There's a few things that are exact, but mainly she creates that well, time no, period. They're, they're not exact. They have to be five inches shorter. Well, right. Well, like the bomber jacket. Right. Is, and, and her washed out jeans are, are just, you know, typical. But some of the, uh, they're just imagining. And she, she did wear a lot of Chanel. And so yes. they thank Chanel in the credits. Now, but overall, you, I like you. I know you guys. I talked to you guys, and I kept because I saw it before you guys did, and it. I was not happy with the first half. The second half is a lot better. It the first first half is slow and uh, just drags. But once once you get to Christmas, yeah, it's a three day thing, and the first half is just the first day. And then once you get to Christmas, everything changes. Uh, so the last two days, Christmas and Boxing Day, are much better, more pace as well. Now, is the Sally Hawkins character, is that based on a real person or do you think that's all conjecture? Well, you're watching the documentary. Yeah, was, but there, the, was there a Maggie, her favorite dresser? Well, I'm sure she talked to the help, but they don't talk about it in the the okay. dock so okay. yeah i mean who knows because it's a fable it's there's a lot of fantasy sequences and yeah. then her farm the you know she, she used to live near them and in fact diana had more royal blood than charles 
if you want to go back into well, the history. Because they're, they're all inbreds, that's why. Yeah, well, you know, she was defiant. They tried tried to squelch that, mm -hmm. and but they could not hide her, her luminosity, let's say, and especially with the people around the world. And that is reflected in after her death, but the queen had to finally come up with a statement because they weren't anticipating the outpouring of such grief and love and respect for this woman. And, uh, but yeah, no, I, as a, as a acting tour de force, you got to give it to Kristen Stewart. I do think she'll be nominated. I think it's like many movies that have a great lead and then they kind of peter out. Yes. Now let's talk about, I saw three <laughs> movies this week. This one's my favorite. It's on Apple TV. It's Finch. It's Finch and it's Tom Hanks and a robot and a dog and another and, robot. And that's it. And, I know. And it's set in St. Louis. He wears a yes. blues jersey. He wears bed. a blues jersey. Well, the first thing I noticed is that when he pulled out the map, it says 631. I'm like, is he in St. Louis? And then he's wearing the blues jersey. And I'm like, he's got to be in St. Louis. Then he's like, we got to get out of St. Louis. I'm like, wow, three, three times that they mentioned St. Louis and they, he has to get out of here. So Lynn, how did you describe this on the radio yesterday? Um, I said, uh, it is a, a post-apocalyptic world. The Mississippi river is a dust bowl and it's because of the climate of problems. The ozone layers destroyed one of my favorite solar, 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 solar flares disrupted life on earth. Right. So Tom Hanks has made a cozy little bunker for himself where he used to work. He's a robotics engineer and he is dying of radiation poisoning. And he has a rescue dog, Goodyear, as his loyal companion. And he wants to make sure that after he dies, Goodyear is in good hands. And he constructs a nine foot robot who is a motion capture actor acted by Caleb Landry Jones. And that's a very unusual choice because he's known as a lot of weirdos in, in Banshee film. and X-Men. And he's wonderful um, yes, as he's this robot. Great. He names himself Jeff and he starts out very innocent like a child, but he's, but uh, Tom Hanks has made him a data dump for the world's best books and he spouts all this Einstein-like uh, facts and they embark on this road trip to San Francisco in a solar-powered RV and it's a wonderful film. Nobody is better at playing quiet dignity than Tom Hanks but the robot and the dog give him a run for the money. Well, he, here's what people, I, I said, it's a shorter version of Castaway, except this time Wilson talks back. Right, it's Castaway meets I Am Legend. And uh, what, what people are criticizing, which I don't get, the director's Miguel Spochnik, and he won two Emmys for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, this is only his second movie. This is a lighter thing. Usually these post-apocalyptic worlds we get are very bombastic and showy. And this is a personal story and people aren't used to that, but it's very lighthearted and there's humor. And I mean, yeah, there's doom and gloom because it is the end times. I mean, come on. 
but I liked it a lot. I was I surprised. Liked it, too. it was my fa- of the three movies I watched. This one was my favorite one. I enjoyed Finch, and yes, it's post-apocalyptic, but it these unlike the other two movies, this leaves you with some hope because you know what happens to Diana, and you already don't like Eternals, so this movie has hope, even though. Uh, your lead is dying and he and that's not a spoiler that's the whole he's building the robot to keep his dog safe after he passes away and any movie that has the balls to kill off tom hanks i'm all for well i was surprised that it wasn't a theatrical release and universal because tom hanks works a lot with universal it was an amblin amblin thing yeah, well, uh, it was supposed and, to be a theatrical release, but it was in the COVID whole thing. Right. Uh, and so Apple bought it and it's only streaming on Apple Plus. Another reason to get Apple Plus besides um, uh, Ted Lasso. my favorite Ted Lasso and everything else that's on Coda, On the Rocks, Schmigadoon. Wolf, Wolf Walkers. $4.99 a month, people get it and i don't get any kickbacks for this and so but i I liked it it was it was my favorite movie of the week and i don't want to tell you anything it's it's a it's a nice one hour and 45 minutes it's it's a tight one hour and 45 minutes plus five minutes of credits which you don't need to see well i saw a film that's in theaters called passing and it will be on netflix in two weeks and um I was disappointed in this because I expected more. It's uh, two women in the 20s played by Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, who are fantastic actresses. And they play two women. uh, Yes, beautiful. They play two African-American uh, black you know black people i were supposed to say now i, I believe yeah and, but back back at the time that this movie was this it's based on a book from 1929 right so they were and, they were called colored then right well tessa thompson is light enough to pass for white but she lives a black life she's married to a doctor and they are successful and then uh she runs into an old friend ruth nega who is light-skinned enough and passes herself off as white, so much so that her husband, Alexander Sarsgaard, does not uh, know. Sarsgaard does not even know. And so this is the Harlem Renaissance period. And so she starts hanging out with Tessa Thompson and uh, becomes friendly with a whole bunch of people. And they're going to uh, the nightclubs in Harlem and... Uh, she wrestles with, uh, you know, uh, this whole thing of passing herself off as right. Well, it's written and directed by Rebecca Hall, who revealed in a Q&A and then also in interviews about this movie that she had a grandfather who was part Black but chose to pass himself off as wow. white and not say he was Black. And she discovered this later. So this movie was personal to her. She spent many years trying to adapt the book once she read the book. And uh, so now it's coming to screen. It's a beautifully shot looking film. The music's fantastic, the fashions, but it's so slow, very slow. And it's very thin. 
It's very thin. I thought we'd have more conflict, more meat about their choices. And uh, it's not, no, it's more of a personal friend story than a, a over wide society story. And I thought we were going to get more of the social com, the thread. But and so, didn't. no. And so I just was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's not elevated, but it does look absolutely in, uh, beautiful. What else did you see, Lynn? That's it. But Good. I, uh, well, there. well, you know, at the slip, slip started. So we got to just quick mention that I was at procession last night and I saw Belfast this week, which opens November 12th. So we will talk about that. And King Richard is at the Fe Oh, the Belfast is at the uh, slip tonight. They have a few tickets left. I highly recommend it. King Richard is going to be November 18th, I believe. Look up cinemastlouis.org schedule and find out. They have films all day, every day for the next three weeks. So get on board and support the arts. And then the Muni announced their schedule last night, Carl. Did you see it? Uh, I, I am amazed that they decided to do Chicago after that. Yeah. They did three performances and they're like, uh, let's just give more people what they want. I guess they had sold enough tickets to the remaining shows of Chicago that they said, we need to bring it back. That's, yes. That is my guess. Yeah, I think so, because so many people were disappointed. That was the pro best produced show of the season last year. Now, they're bringing two shows that they announced in 2020, but because of COVID, could not do. And that's Cameron um, Disney and Cameron McIntosh's um, Mary Poppins. And Flying is involved in that, because I've seen it at the Muni before. Well, I, and, saw, I saw that on Broadway, and the house on the in the the broadway set of the house is another character it is so good i i i love seeing mary poppins on broadway it is great the muni did not do that because of limitations of space but what the muni did was very creative in its own right and then Which sweeney todd yeah, which is a which which is a premiere, and I'm really excited about this being the Sondheim worshiper I am. This is very unusual for the Muni because it's dark, but yeah. that score is brilliant. What about murder, the score is brilliant. So this is this will get a lot of young people and serious musical theater fans to the Muni. It'll be oh, interesting to like, see how like it plays. Camelot, like Camelot will be. That is old school theater. Right. Well, I love it though. But it's 13 years uh, since it's been at the Muni. And uh, you, that score by Lerner and Lowe is so fabulous. Uh, Richard Burton, Julie Andrews, and Robert Goulet. I saw Richard Harris do it at the Muni. So it's been at the Muni many, many times, but it hasn't been there for 13 years. Um, the big premiere is the color purple. Right which is exciting because that's a good show. Another one based on a movie, but it's very powerful. Cynthia Riva, who John well, mentioned, you know, it's, won it's the based Tony. On a book. It's, the, it's based on a book. So the movie's based on a book and the play is based on a book that's also based on a movie, so. Right. Well, also uh, we are gonna have Legally Blonde and 
I love that musical and another one based on a movie. It's cute and it's busy, fun. And in the middle of summer, it's going to be delightful. You got the UPS guy, you got the bend and snap, you got the, oh my God, you guys. And it's just fun. And it was the one of the first shows Mike Isaacson did on Broadway and his first season here in 2011. That's when it was last at the Muni. And uh, if you think, oh, it's a, another movie, it's just fun. And um, the one I'm not excited about of all the seven is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, I was I'm, in Joseph in high school and I love Joseph. So I have a special, it's, it's, really, it's really short. It's a short musical. And it's Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. It's their first. It's their first collaboration together. It was yes, their first and one. yes. Well, they did it like as a student project. Yeah, but it, and it show it, the original shows that it was the first one. They they got better. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple people that uh, I mean, there's a couple songs in there that people love, and then you got the Pharaoh coming in for comic relief. But I have seen it so many times. You know, when I'm at the Muni, I know people love the old chestnuts, but when I'm at the Muni, I'm, I'm more like, uh, I want to see Color Purple, Sweeney Todd, because it'll be fantastic Camelot. at Muni. And I do like Camelot. So I do like some of the old chestnuts, but, but uh, just, I did miss the one uh, years ago. I think it hasn't been there in 10 years. And I missed that one with, with uh, Justin Garini as Joseph. But there are its fans. I mean, you know, it's a very popular show. They would not be bringing it back if it wasn't popular. Right. That, that doesn't make sense. All right, Lynn, where can we find you on the social media? Because last week we forgot to mention you on the, we just mentioned your radio heads. We didn't mention your social media. Right. Well, I am on all the socials and our website is poplifestl.com where you can find this podcast they're, also all of them are on the they're all on the right side i went through it and i'm like where oh there they are they are on the right side and they are all listed so you can click right to them right so if you don't have facebook because we put it on facebook every week and then ron stevens uh, is so nice enough to put it on his on stl.com so that's where you can find this podcast i am on ktrs radio every thursday night after the 10 p.m news except i went late live last night from the fest and then uh what else am i oh the webster kirkwood times every friday online well you can find me at underscore carl the intern today is the 10th anniversary of my twitter feed going on and i remember what that first tweet was i went out the night before and i went to cousin hugo's which is now uh deer creek bar and grill they're having their grand opening this weekend. And I said that I think I was a, because I went to, uh, it's so stupid that this is my first tweet. I said, after you go to the bathroom, after you go to a bar the night before, you have a case of fecal alcohol syndrome. And that is not funny. And 10 years later, I regret it. So you can find me there at underscore Carl the Intern, Twitter and Instagram. Also, you can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on FM News Talk. I'm sorry, on FM Talk 97.1. No, let me get it right. You can hear me Monday through Friday at, no, let's try this. 
You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. And you can also hear me on the weekends on KMOX on the Great Outdoors Second Amendment Radio. So, we'll see you at the movies and at the hockey games and around town. Things are happening again. It is. And uh, I mean, next week, we will have a whole bunch of new movies that are the awards bait films, as we will the next couple of weeks. And so it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, so take care, stay safe, get vaccinated, and uh, we will hopefully see you at the movies or the theater. We're out and about. Bye. Bye.